Welcome to Trail and Error, a look at the trail running world from the podium to the pack with your hosts Jay Grady and Tristan Stevenson. We decided to start our own trail running podcast to talk to the people we find interesting in the trail and ultra running world, to find out their highs and lows, their momentous successes and their abject failures, and to perhaps give us all a little bit of inspiration to take on some adventures and challenges of our own. We'll be speaking to runners and athletes, race directors and coaches, sports nutritionists and doctors to get the best out of our own running and hopefully yours too. We hope you enjoy the podcast and if you do, please hit like and subscribe via all the normal podcast feeds. But for now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Trail and Error. This week, uh, Tris and I are joined by Victoria Cousins. Victoria, hello. 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm still not sure why I'm on here. <laughs> I'm an imposter in the sport. <laughs> oh, I, well, I think we're going to debunk that myth. Um, yeah. It's, um, so we've known each other for a couple of years. Um, am I right in saying what, what distances and what races were you doing when we first met? So a couple of arcs ago. In, in the grand scheme of things? Uh, I think I had already done my first ultra. Was this before or after the pandemic I met you? Oh, just before. So 2019 was my first ultra. Hmm. Um, and then the pandemic screwed everything up. And I sort of and I had to re- rethink what I was going to do. But, what was your yeah, first so ultra? I, I was sort of getting in. It was the GU36, a perfect first ultra. A nice Strava map. You um, run the entire um, circumference of Guernsey. Oh, okay. I, say, I didn't know that one. It's beautiful. No, it sounds like a, a sort of environmental political conference or something, doesn't it? GU36. <laughs> I thought it sounded like a GL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or gel. That sounds yeah, tasty. Yeah. Yeah, 36 grams of carbohydrates per serving. Exactly. Um, I do the G40 myself, but, you know, G30s are okay. When you they start do a G72. Out. It's a larger format if you want to. <laughs> um, <laughs> when so I'm guessing it's 36 it. miles around Guernsey. Is that correct? Or is it 36K? It's got to be miles, right? Correct. Yeah. 36 miles. So the first 16 miles are hilly sort of coast path a billion and one steps to go up and down. Um, and then it's a relatively flat 20 miles at the end. But really, really beautiful race. What's the elevation, in total elevation in that then? Oh, gosh, now you're asking me. I really can't remember. But it, it is quite hilly, that first 16. Okay. Is it a bit like co- the corner, like Southwest Coast Path, or is it sort of different terrain to that? Yeah, but, but, it, but it's, it's, it's similar but lots and lots of steps, and each step is different um, depth and width. No, Random steps. Yeah, and giant ants as well. Giant, giant ants. ants? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. What, is that like <laughs> unique to <laughs> they hit you down? So. Do they release them after you all start? <laughs> We're talking like Honey, I Shrunk the Any Kids ants? kind of mountable ant size. <laughs> or... not, not quite, but... <laughs> They're <laughs> larger than Worthing ants. Uh, when you see Rick Moranis stood next to you in the starting pen, you know you, you need to worry, don't you? 
Um, <laughs> so what were you running before that? And what, what made you do that first ultra? Uh, Stephen convinced me that I had Hang on, who's, mind- who's Stephen? Sorry, my husband, <laughs> Mr. Stephen Cousins, who uh, we've had heard a of lot him. to answer for. Uh, well, <laughs> if I take it back um, eight years ago, I couldn't run. I had had knee operations to realign my kneecaps, and he decided to buy me a pair of running trainers at the London Expo. I'm still on crutches, but he bought me these trainers and said that he would get me running. Um, At that stage, all I wanted to do was be able to run one kilometer. Um, He was thinking park run distance, but I wanted to do the 1K. Um, And then each distance I've done, he's thinking about the next step up for me and encouraging me. Um, He's always been my biggest supporter and biggest critic. Uh, so I did my first marathon in 2017. Um, it was easier to just sign wow. up than just constantly listening to him. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and then he encouraged me to do my first ultra. Um, for his 50th birthday, he decided it would be really romantic if the two of us could run a 50-mile race together. So we found Brecon Beacons Ultra, 46 miles. Oh, I've done that one. Closest we could find to 50 miles, signed up. And then he announced that he was double booked. He royally stitched me up and said (laughs) I still had to run it without him. (laughs) Bugger. (laughs) Oh, the romance just oozes at that point. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I did it. And it's a selfie, though. It is, but there's something about ultras that just gets into my head. So how many had you been around? So for those people living in a cave who who, who don't know what Film My Run is, it's a really very, very popular, um, um, he's going to love me for saying this, but it is a very, very well-produced and well-loved running channel. So... Um, uh, and that's Stephen, your husband. So you've been around that. You've seen him start the channel off and and, and build his running because uh, Stephen very uh, uh, he, he has a video of him running his first marathon. He looks very different, obviously, and and he's struggling and everything else. So you've seen that journey. Um, what part of him going through all that do you think played a part in you wanting to experience what he'd experienced? Was there an element of, I wonder what that feels like? Not in any kind of envious way, but in a, oh, I wonder what, you know, did that come into it at all? Or Because when you're around um, the circuit for long enough, you want to do it, right? Yeah. Early on, no, it didn't enter my head. Um, I crewed him for the arc and mm-hmm. I'm proud that I crewed him for his gold buckle. Um, I understood a lot about the sport, even though I wasn't doing it myself. Um my well, because you see it when you're, you're, de- yes. you're, you know, detached from it, don't you? You get a different yeah. view of it when you're crewing someone than than when you're in it all the time. But I understood the highs and the lows. Mm. Um, I understood because you what, saw them. Yes, and I understood what he had to go through to get to that finish line. But like you said, when you surround yourself by with people who are doing these things, it becomes normal. So. 
I was terrified of him doing Brecon Beacons, that 46 miler. My um, colleagues convinced me he was going to kill himself. It was just <laughs> a, a very long way. Um, but it all became normalized. I did it myself. There was no big deal. And then uh, Stephen started talking about um, me doing the South Downs Way 50. He said, that's a classic race. You know, you need to do 50 miles. You know, if you want to be an ultra runner, you should do it. So I signed up and last year um, I did the South Downs Way 50, which starts in my hometown of Worthing. And then we run along the South Downs Way to Eastbourne. Uh, when I got to the last climb, that is the moment I knew I never wanted to attempt 100 miles. I just wanted to curl up into a ball on the side of the trail and go to sleep. Because the thought of doing twice that and how lo- when you feel that tired at the end of a 50 yep. is, uh, yeah, unfathomable, yep. right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm. How long did that last? Uh, it lasted until, was it May or June, and I did the Suffolk Backyard Ultra. And Ooh. I managed, and I got to 66 miles so that unlocked something in my head and I thought okay I never thought I wanted to go beyond 50 but I've now got to 66 I can do more that's a really interesting thing though because that's almost a because it was so undefined it was only limited by what you could achieve that's kind of shown you it's removed the artificial finish line hasn't it it's you've Mm. gone you literally run into your limits Yes, but it is within the rules of the race because you have to complete 4.167 miles on the hour every hour. Yeah. But yeah, if it's within, you enter within the pace an that ultra, you have to do it in, right? So, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So at that so pace, that was kind of so all you could do on the day. So at 24-hour pace. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it just, yeah, unlocked something in my head we got level up didn't you you, you, you what, what, what experience points and uh, leveled up yeah yeah I, I leveled up last year and i've leveled up again this year so last year i did um the 50 miler i got to do the um suffolk backyard ultra and then we did uts 50k to get some running stones because South Downs Way 50 enabled me to enter the ballot for OCC or CCC. Um, So I had my stones. I then entered the ballot. I played safe and I decided to enter OCC because I felt that was a realistic achievement. Um, And I was talking to a friend of mine actually uh, last summer and explained all of this. And he just looked at me and he said, what's the point of standing on a start line when you know you can complete it? And I paused and I thought, mm, that is a really fair point. I need mm. to up my game. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, viewpoint on it. And I kind of, I do kind of get it. If you know that you can complete it, are you pushing yourself hard enough? Although I guess the caveat to that is if you're trying to do it in a certain amount of time, um, you know, I mean, I know I can complete a 5k, but it'd be great to set a new PB. So it's worth 
training for that at some point to try and get a new PB. And so I suppose if you're trying to yeah, yeah get under but a certain if, ceiling. If you're running, but if you are running a race to a specific time, um, it's a high risk when you're doing a long distance. If you go off too fast, you could blow up, you could injure yourself. So you, you don't know, although you know you can complete the distance, you don't know that you can complete it in that time. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly um, my point. So it's, it's just, the distance yeah. shouldn't be the only kind of variable um, when selecting races no. or, or the, the difficulty of the distance shouldn't be the only variable because, you know, completing it at a certain time. Like, okay, let's use the arc as, a, as an example. Um, there are people who've completed the arc, but perhaps they haven't got a gold buckle or a black buckle. They know they can do the distance because they've done it before. It's worth them towing the line again because they might get under that time threshold so they can get the buckle, knowing that when they tow the line, that they can complete the distance because they've done it before. Yes, yes. When I first signed up, when I applied for CCC the first time, I went through the procedure. It's changed now, but the the UTMB website used to have, um, as you filled it in, there used to be a, a face, an emoji kind of face that would change from uh, green, obviously happy, Amber, a little bit dubious and red. What the fuck are you thinking, Jay? And <laughs> as I filled in my experience and and the race I wanted to do, I, I, I remember clicking on UTMB and the face just changed red. And it was like, it's, it's bad. So, no, it went amber. It went amber and it went, it, it, you, you, you've got the points and everything, dude, but uh, probably not a good idea. And, and, and I thought, well, unusually for me, I thought, well, because they actually have the final say on whether I get into this race, if they're saying it's a bad idea, maybe I should listen. So I, I changed my selection from UTMB to CCC and it went green and it went, that's better. Well done, mate. <laughs> yeah. you, you know oh. your limits now. This is good. Um, it's and like I wish a they food color coding it was, system. It was brilliant. It's like the food color coding system, right? <laughs> yeah. This is going to be bad yeah. for you. Red, really stupid. <laughs> Amber, slightly stupid. Green, okay. Yeah, that's within mm. your limits. Um, we'll let you run that, you idiot. And... Um, and so I, 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 and I, CCC became um, obviously the, the taster for, for doing the full UTMB. And, and, but it, it was such, it was so far out of my limits. It was such a sensible thing to do, the CCC, because it gave me a taste of the Alps in a representational way of, of the bigger distance. So that, that stepping stone approach definitely is worthwhile. Oh. And, and that's exactly what I felt. Yeah, it's it's a sensible approach. And I now have a newfound level of respect for Stephen and other people who complete those huge mountain races. Um, and OCC, I've never done such massive climbs. Um, I found it tough and I found the altitude challenging. So tell us about OCC. So it start, uh, the, all, the, all the letters stand for fifth places. So OCR... Uh, Champelac, Chamonix, Chamonix. Okay. Um, yeah, so I did that um, the end of August, and I did feel a bit of a fraud um, standing on that start line. Uh, Stephen said that you know you've earned your place here. Uh, you've got more experience than many of the runners. Um, go out and enjoy it. Um, and it well, was an amazing experience. So the first climb, did you start? Do you start in daylight or or evening? Yes. Uh, well, it, yes, we are in daylight. We're bust in the dark. 
um, and then the race starts in daylight. And we were set off in three waves. Yes, because how many runners are in the pen? Quite uh, a lot. I, I don't know, but there's, yes, there's a lot. Um, so to avoid the classic bottlenecks of all UTMB yep. races, um, they set us off in three. And I didn't get to any bottlenecks. Okay, that's good. Because you've got that yeah. gnarly climb up through the wood to get to the lake at Champelac, haven't you? Yes, yeah. Um, okay, so... Stephen just kept saying to me, you have got to be on it um, with cutoffs. So I was completely paranoid. Uh, <laughs> kept, kept pushing forward. <laughs> uh, I phoned him at Trient and said, I don't feel good. My head... I'm all lightheaded. And he went, no, that's perfectly normal. normal. That's altitude. Crack on. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and those descents, I mean, they're, they're super gnarly and they go on, as the climbs do, they go on forever, don't they? You're running downhill for hours sometimes. It's, it's bonkers. Yeah, and I'm not good on descents. Um, I, I felt weak on the climbs, but actually I think the climbs were my strongest point. We do hiking as a family when we go on holiday in the Alps. Um, so I, I was used to that type of terrain, the, the distance for each climb. I'd just never done four climbs in a race. Mm. Um, so you're, you're pushing faster. But it's the downhill. So many people overtook me. Okay. But, Is that something had, that you're going to build on? Um, I would like to build on it. I had promised my children that I wouldn't take risks. Um, they were worried about me. They, they know that a runner sadly fell and died in TDS when their yeah. dad was running. Uh, they are aware of the risks of the risks, in yeah. sports. So I had promised them no risks. And also I had to have a low risk um, attitude because of wanting to complete the Grand Slam. I needed to get to the start line of the Autumn 100. So how did it feel crossing the finish line in Chamonix? Absolutely amazing. It mm. tops all finish lines I've ever done. I've watched so many people cross that finish line. Um, it's the first time my children have seen me finish a big race. Oh, wow. Um, they all met me at the edge of Chamonix, um, ran in with me, and then to see friends of ours um, who were lining the streets and <laughs> cheering me in, shouting my name out. And Stephen did say to time. me, it was, it was just lovely. And he said to me, just make sure you take in this atmosphere. Yeah, um, good advice. And I mean, it, it was just amazing. It, it topped, I have to say, it topped Boston Marathon finish line. Oh, wow. It's special. It is special. And, and you're surrounded by yep. your peers. A lot of the people there yes. will have run a race that week or at least some point in the history of it. And, and so I think there's a reflective um, uh, respect that pe pe people know, you know that people know what you've gone through. Yes. You know, that their words of, of praise kind of really hit home, I think, when, when it's coming from a respected peer or at least somebody you, you know has probably done something similar. Yeah, yeah. And we've all worked hard to earn our place there. Mm -hmm. um, it's just such a lovely atmosphere. And it's a special place to run. Yes, very, very so, special indeed. That was August 2023? No, 2020. Yeah, yeah 2023. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. So we were just chatting before we started and, and you have run three more hundred milers than I have. I've only done the single. You've, you've done 400 milers in how many months? Uh, was it uh, May we started and finished in October? So you started with Six a months. race that Tristan's done before and I definitely yeah. haven't. And I was volunteering at that race. You were. At I the remember. same time as running it. Oh, no. That's got you. <laughs> no, the, the, different year. The year that Tristan ran, we were volunteering. <laughs> yeah. Which, which so, um, so what, aid station were you at? Um, or checkpoint. It was, was it about 30 miles in? I can't remember yeah, the name Yeah, I would it. say, I'd say it's about that. Yeah, it I wasn't like, sure. It was like the Thames Path. <laughs> yeah, it was somewhere on the Thames. <laughs> that's for sure. It was about 30 miles in because it was right around the time <clears throat> just before that that I'd started noticing that my foot was getting a blister. And then um, I pulled into you guys, which I think is probably only like the third checkpoint maybe on the route because obviously they're, they're, they're few and far between to begin with and then they clump up close together as everyone slows down towards the end. And um, that was when I was like, there's a hotspot here and it's not going away. And uh, I was asking you for a blister plaster or something to put on it, wasn't I? And you were sort of scrabbling around trying to find that something. Was it. Yeah. And um, didn't come up with anything. And then I had to get all the way to um, Henley, which is the halfway point before I got, because you're not allowed any crew assistance or anything in the first half of the race. So I had to get all the way to Henley. Correct. By which point the blister, you know, had really come, come into its own. <laughs> It was so big that the um, compede thing didn't even cover it, and then I, and I ultimately ended up running about seventy miles of that race with a pretty serious blister, and I still got my foot scarred from it. It's actually scarred, um, which uh, it, I mean, I kind of blame it entirely on you, really, for not having a blister plaster. <laughs> You're welcome, Trisk. <laughs> you still won the race, though. <laughs> yeah, I managed to win the race. Yeah, my, that that yeah. pair of um, alpha flies was never the same. They were because there was blood all over them by the end of it, and um, they never quite lost that pink sort of tinge to the uh, what was otherwise a nice lime green upper, like a crime scene. Mm, well, we, were there, we were there volunteering at that aid station because Stephen had a plan that he wanted to run the Centurion Grand Slam in 2023. So we volunteered at three races. Mm. Um, we couldn't volunteer at the fourth one because we were working. Um, and because I also had three free places, Stephen said, oh, mm. you need to run 100 miles next year. Um, he thought I should run the South Downs Way um, as my first, but it measures slightly short, and I couldn't stand the thought of running my first 100 miler and not quite measuring 100 miles on my Strava. So <laughs> well, I, mean, I decided I wanted to choose. <laughs> I mean, it finishes on an athletics track, so you could just top up with extra loops of the track. No one would, um, I know. No one, you know, that's the perfect opportunity. And I'm yeah. sure you would very much have felt like just doing laps at the end of that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I decided that I would do Thames Path as my first 100. Yeah. Um, and I vowed to Stephen that if I get to the end, I will stand on the start line of South Downs Way. 
um, nice. wondering, was there a possibility I could complete the slam? Um, and so that was already plus, in your mind at that point, the slam? Yes, you were definitely yes, on for I, it. But I was not going to admit it to anybody. Stephen knew, I knew. <laughs> um, nobody else did. And I have to say, Thames Path 100 was the most horrendous thing I've ever done in my life. My body, I think, was in shock at that distance. Mm. How did it's it go? Because there is, well, obviously, there is a film. Yes, very repetitive. There's some beautiful, you know, um, houses along the way and nice boats. But yeah, very repetitive. It's nearly all flat, a couple of little hills thrown in towards the end. Um, I can't say I enjoyed all of it. We had rain for 24 hours. Uh, yeah. There was so much mud. We were slipping and sliding, falling over. I think it was the highest DNF rate they've had for the Thames Path. Um, people were just fed up with the mud. Yeah, yeah. But I was determined. I had the want to get to that finish line. So Stephen was filming it for Film My Run. Yes, yes. How much, that, that's his thing, right? So you're, you're a big part of that channel. There's no getting yeah. away from that. But he's, he's until recently, he's been the person in, in front of the camera or behind yes. it, depending on where he's filming. But how much impact did, did the filming of the race, because this is your first 100 miler, right? It's, although you've not told many people, you're in the start line, people know you're doing it. They're following your dot. There's a lot of potentially external pressure what did the camera do to your experience did it have any impact no impact little impact how did that feel you're so used to it that you didn't even notice it does he walk around the but house filming things constantly <laughs> yeah. uh very little impact i'm i'm used to the camera um but there are times when if i'm having a low point i don't want to talk to the camera um and I think Stephen understood that during the Thames Path um, that he knew sometimes I just needed some quiet time just to get my head together. Um, mm -hmm. But we we run well together. We understand each other. We know when to talk. We know when to be quiet. That's very cool. And Stephen can film almost by stealth. I, I don't know he's doing it. <laughs> so as you you kind of jogging along did, did you do any of the camera work on that film or was it all Stephen uh I think I might have held it once or twice it was um as the slam progressed I got more involved mm. so um, yeah because some of the ones that I saw you were filming so so Thames Pass was first not a very nice experience wet first hundred um, so, you know, obviously testing, um, and then Southlands 100 was next. Yeah. Yeah. We had a heat wave, so more extreme temperature. <laughs> right. James Elson started to talk to me about me doing the slam before the race started. And I said that I wasn't in a position to talk about it. Um, and then he decided to announce to everybody on the start line that I ah. was doing the Grand Slam. Uh. <laughs> so, so that's when uh, various friends of mine started to know about it. Thrown <laughs> so under the, the bus. The, yeah, and the, the pressure then, it mounts. Um, 
I have a fear of failure. And I can now talk about that fear of failure. Uh, and that's why I didn't want to tell anyone that I was doing Thames Path. And with each one, the pressure on me has been greater because I've had more to lose the closer I've got to the slam. Which is the beauty and the reward of the slam, isn't it? it, it you've got to be yes. consistent. You've got to deliver in a calendar year. Yes. There is, a, there is an extra pressure. Yeah, so the accumulative pressure there. I can understand that one totally. Um, but did and you we've taken a, an approach. Sorry, carry on. I was going to say, did you find that it was, you know, with the kind of mounting experience of running 100 miles, that also in some sense the the kind of the 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 thought of each race was less intimidating because you've got in your back pocket the experience of having run 100 before um yes and no so when i stood on the start line of south downs way i was confident i could do the distance i know the second half well it's our local trails um what I hadn't factored in was the extreme heat and how my body was going to react to that extreme heat. And by halfway, I was vomiting and struggling to consume calories and stay hydrated. But I really wanted to get to that finish line. I knew so I could do it. You've been to Transylvania three times with Stephen, right? Yes. So you, you, you've been in that heat around those races did you have any any understanding at all of what that felt like to run in that heat until it happened? No, no. I did never, you think it yeah. was like? I don't know. I don't think I'd considered it. I knew Stephen struggles in heat, but I didn't mm. know how it would feel. Um, that probably sounds strange. I mean, I did no, no, the no, trans, trans Grand Canaria family race um, with my two children. We did that beginning of last year that's 14 kilometers mountainous running uh, that was very very hot but 14 kilometers it's less than two hours running it's very different to 100 miles in extreme heat mm. so how uh, uh yeah, what was we, the, what was the actual what was the experience of the race actually like then? I mean, you're vomiting at halfway. Did you did it get better as the second half went on? Did you get a second or third wind or was it just nope. sort of... No, <laughs> it didn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to grind it out. Um, it didn't cool down. I was hoping overnight my stomach would settle in cooler weather. That's what happens to Stephen in his races. Um, but it felt hot the entire race um, and I was still throwing up close to the finish line uh, and I got so paranoid about cutoffs and distances people kept telling me different times different distances so I just had to keep pushing ahead um, and Stephen was absolutely fatigued from working at the backyard ultra a few days before that at one point he fell asleep on the side of the path and I said catch me up <laughs> I've, got, I've got to keep pushing forward um, but but we did it but I was mostly paranoid about the North Downs Way Stephen had never done North Downs Way 100 I had never stepped foot on the trails 
we were told it was the most difficult race. And I'd been at the back of the pack of both Aut- sorry, of the Thames Path and South Downs Way, and I didn't know if I could complete the North Downs Way. And that's when um, we were offered crew and pacing by the lovely Karen Webber and Jaco Swart. And they were amazing at supporting us. And I loved the camaraderie of having a team. I again had stomach issues during the night but when the um, light came up the next morning I just felt stronger and stronger and I was overtaking people and on the track I didn't realize it at the time but um, I overtook a lady and I then got first place in my age category Mm. and it, it was my most successful 100 miler so, uh, so I, how much, as well. lo- I loved it how do your times compare across so those three so thames path south dan's way north dan's way um I, I mean i'm asking um i'm interested because i've of those i've only done the thames path and I, at some point in the future i will do the other two um but i'm interested to hear about everyone how everyone's times translate from one to the other because there's, there's obviously more elevation and in both the South Downs Way and the North Downs Way. North Downs Way has, as I understand it, more sort of steeper steps and things like that. Um, but, you know, the, the flatness yeah, of the Thames yeah. Path South can be Downs an issue Way. as well. Um, so South Downs Way is more runnable. Yeah. And I, I think it's the nicest of the routes. Um, North Downs Way, it's quite gnarly in sections. And it wasn't it wasn't enjoyable in the sense of the route, but the sense of achievement. Um, and we had the first named storm of the year as well during the North Downs Way. So lots and lots of rain, um, thunderstorm. So again, we, we had um, issues that we were faced with, but I just felt very satisfied with how I dealt with that race. And I was more than an hour within the cutoff of North Downs Way, but I was within, I think, the hour of the cutoff of Thames, sorry, yeah, of Thames Path and South Downs Way. Right. Um, but you do get an additional two hours to complete South Downs and North Downs Way. Right. Okay. Okay. Got you. So you were, your Thames, Thames was actually probably your fastest time, just about because you had uh, less cut off. Yes. Um, breathing yes. space. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Great. Yes. Yeah. I'm it's, going, I'm actually, it's a satisfying thing, isn't it, to see your race management improve? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Stephen's very good at um, deciding what pace we should be going out at. And we took a gamble with North Downs Way that we would go off faster than what we would normally do because it was a road, it was fairly flat, it was runnable. So we were running to feel rather than Mm. pace, if that makes sense, um, because we were very paranoid about cutoffs of North Downs Way. So he's he's your training partner, um, obviously – life partner um yeah but he's also your 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 coach in in a way then would that be correct yes he actually coached me um for marathon training last year um and 
he gave me my schedule and I said, I can't look at that. Just tell me week by week what I need to do and I will do it. <laughs> he said, what am I paying you for? Why are you giving me paper? Just, <laughs> yeah. just guide me, man. <laughs> um, okay. so there's one so, more, right? Yeah, there's there's um, Autumn 100 then, too. There's one more. Yeah, so I did the North Downs Way, finished that. I think it was three weeks later I did OCC. Um, Stephen caught COVID whilst we were in Chamonix. Then I got ill. So I had the fatigue of OCC, not quite fully recovered from COVID. And then we stand on the start line of the Autumn 100. And it was all to play for. Um, Yeah. It was a strange feeling knowing I had done three 100 milers um, and it was, this was what it was all about. I needed to finish the autumn. And so a very different type of race in a way. You explain the format to us for the, of the A100 for those who don't know. There are four 25 mile spurs. Um, the first spur is out and back on the Thames path. So I'd covered that terrain in uh, May, then spurs two and three are on the Ridgeway, and then the fourth spur is back on the Thames Path. And they all, so they all come back to a central location, and that's where you've got your, your, your drop bag and everything else like that, right? Yes, so you have a drop bag in Goring Village Hall, um, which you can come back to. There is no crew allowed on the Autumn 100. Ah. So people who've been used to having crew for the others, it was a new format for them. But it, it was nice coming back to a bag. You could have your own um, nutrition in there. Yeah. Your own personal checkpoint, basically. Yes. Make it. Yeah. Mm. Yes. So I remember so speaking to go? you before you did that. And you, well, you, you I think you were saying you, you, you were going to, um, you were looking forward to being able to mentally reset after each um, spur. Did that play out that way? Yes. Um, The race didn't quite go to plan, shall we say. Um, We did had this new uh, nutrition plan. I discovered some high calorie milk drinks um, in a health shop, which were going down really well in the first spur. Uh, Hang on, then, were these new to you? You'd never tried them before on the race? Yeah, yeah. You know how they say never try anything new on race day? <laughs> never goes wrong. I, I don't believe in that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was all to play for. So I was going to do whatever I could do. And I was getting the calories in really well. Um, but we got to mile 44 and I vomited. And I never got my stomach back. It was oh. tough. Wow, and we had, perfect, we, we had perfect weather conditions. But for whatever reason, um, it didn't quite go to plan for me. I've got a feeling it was to do with still being fatigued from OCC and having COVID. been ill. Yeah, I, I think that was still in my body. Um, but both Stephen and I, throughout the year, we have been feeling accumulative fatigue. So you never really get over the previous one and you're standing on the start line of the next. 
Well, Stephen's race calendars in previous years have been astounding. We chatted to him, I think, in the latter part of last year. And and even then, his race calendar was just insane. And and you've you've been there through that. And then you, you've done a, an amazingly... I mean, you've done four 100-milers, the OCC. Yeah. When, when, and, and you did... When was Boston? Was Boston the year before? So that's still within... Uh, no, no. So it... It was this April. I did <laughs> this three, April. This April, as as part of my training for Thames Path, I did three marathons in three weeks in three different countries. <laughs> I did Paris, Boston, and London marathons, and then two That's weeks right. later, it was two weeks later, I did Thames Path. Wow. When you live with somebody who has a mad race calendar it becomes normalized and you don't really question it it's uh, yeah i mean I, i'm staggered that steven did it and i'm staggered in the most respectful way from your race calendar honestly i i sat here feel like a complete wuss for doing two races this year and kind of feeling tired after them um it's astounding what you've done genuinely yeah um what what an amazing year of running i've leveled up you must up. be proud you must be proud i am i'm really proud of myself but i don't think i've still processed exactly what i've achieved um i'm not the fastest of runners i never will be but i can grind out these races and i have a very very strong mind um but i'm also i'm interested in the power of the mind and positive language. So I, I will always say to myself things like keep moving. I would never say don't stop because that infers a negative word. Yeah. Um, I watched uh, a YouTube video in the summer of Jess Wormsley um, talking to Jim and she said calories will keep you moving. And I thought that was a really, really amazing sentence and i kept repeating it to myself in occ and the autumn 100 this is power it's well we've spoken about this many times um better power than mine i stole um uh gary robbins's um i can do this i will do this i yes. i repeat that over and over and over again until i forget what i'm saying because it's just automatically coming out and and then i stop somehow but um i i go through that so many times i can do this i will do this i can do this i will do this um and and yeah because otherwise you, you've seen like you said you've seen the highs and lows that steven's gone through you know externally that you can see somebody who's capable of going on but they're questioning it internally so you've seen the roller coaster how much did your so you mentioned then that you're not the fastest and i can uh, relate to that and of your peers perhaps around you or even people that are listening to this thinking about taking on bigger races, how much of your um, pace in terms how, – how did you change your pace? Have you, had to, have you been able to increase your pace? And how much did your lack of – or perceived lack of pace at least, how much did that hold you back from starting doing this earlier? There's a couple of questions in there, sorry. Um. So a couple of years ago, I switched to 80-20 running. 
Um, so 80% of my training is low heart rate. Um, it's easy conversational pace. I will go out, uh, whether I do 10 miles, whether I did 20 miles, when I get home, I want to feel as though I can go out again. And then the 20% it is a high intensity effort is where I'm doing an interval session on the treadmill. I feel like I'm going to throw up, you know, really pushing myself to mm. my limits. Um, so then all this t low heart rate running is ideal for ultra is how you feel in an ultra. And I know I can maintain a pace for, for mm. a long distance. I do slow down when I get towards the end of these hundred milers, but I could physically go beyond that distance if I needed to. Mm. Yeah. It's a uh, good, good uh, strategy for training. I think this 80, 20, and obviously, you know, it's not quite as simple as just fast runs 20% of the time, slow runs 80%. There's, you've got to sort of subdivide it into different types of fast running as well. But it's so, I think one of the Correct. most common mistakes that people training for ultras make is they're not doing their fast runs fast enough and they're not doing their slow runs slow enough. They're sitting in that middle section too much of the time. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. And at my age as well, it's, it's not easy. Um, I turned 50 in March and I think I'm trying to prove something to myself. Mm. Uh, but in order to get the training in, I have to lower my pace and my heart rate. Otherwise, I'm, I'm really too tired the next day to train again. Mm. But it's remarkable, isn't it, that if you, when you slow down a lot, how easily you can recover from those slow runs, even if they're very long. Um, whereas even a short, yes. high-intensity run can result in, you know, not just, I'm not just going on what the Garmin says, but really it can take a while to get over it. And I think that's probably why a lot of people um, are averse to doing interval training, um, even though it would help with their fitness. And it's because when they do it, and again, this is partly because they don't do it enough, they feel shitty afterwards. They feel tired, lethargic. They don't feel like running the next day because they're aching because they've been, you know, putting a lot of power through their muscles. But, you know, it's, it's so important. Um, it's funny because everyone's like, well, you know, when am I going to be running um, six-minute miles during this 100-mile ultramarathon? Well, you're not, but that's not what it's about. It's not about practicing yeah. <laughs> the pace that you're going to run that interval at. It's about stressing your muscles, and it's about working your anaerobic uh, system so that, you know, you're increasing your maximum heart rate or you're increasing your VO2 max. And all of that then plays into this lower effort running when you actually get out on course. Um, even though you're running at far, far slower pace than those intervals or that tempo run. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree with you. But the other thing as well but, is... But so is you, have to, you have to go through those various yeah. different... Yeah, yeah, the, I was just going to say the other thing as well is, um, is the risk of injury because <clears throat> it's certainly from my point of view, I know that the injuries I've encountered in the past, and I've never really had particularly bad ones, but, you know tends to be tendonitis or some kind of muscle strain it's they always always come about after interval sessions or or, or longish tempo runs it's never it's never the sort of like two or three hour long run um where i'm going nice and slow it's always the fast stuff and um i can only assume that that uh the risk increases with age as well <laughs> um so it's 
and 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 that's enough to put a lot of people off doing it because you're like well i don't want to take my running away you know speed and time on course is not so important to me that actually it's worth risking the next five weeks of running uh where you know i'm I'm laid up and can't move around properly and and that's why we mitigated those risks and took a, a lower risk approach to completing the grand slam um but would I like to do a hundred miler and try and train to get within twenty four hours? Absolutely. But but that would be a higher risk race. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. So you've been around these races, like we said, for a long time. You've seen Stephen do it. The family's travelled. It's all documented on Film My Run. Which of the races that you've seen so far? Um, which of them do you want to take on that you haven't done yet? Uh, I know which race uh, that a couple of people would really like me to take on, and I keep saying no. Is it the one I think it is? Uh, Yes, it is. Uh, (laughs) Mr. Andrew Ferguson saw me last weekend and told me what the first race of 2025 was going to be. (laughs) (laughs) So you've, you've seen so much of the arc. You've filmed it. You've crewed it. Um, does it? Does do you want to do it? Do you know, there, there is something at the niggling me at the back of my mind. I would like to attempt it, um, but I'm not sure I would. I would really like to uh, run in the Dolomites, mm. and I've not. We've not been out there at all as a family. Stephen's not run there. <laughs> but I really like the look of that. Yeah, it looks gnarly. Well, it's not one yeah. or the other. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could do them two weeks apart. You'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's some sort of like um, political embargo in place there. If you run in the Dolomites, I'm afraid you can't do any ultramarathons on the Cornish coast path. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excluded. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy working at the Ark too much. It's good mm. fun, isn't it? Yeah. It's um, yeah. We we need to. We all got to sit down and do the planning for that soon for the coverage for this mm. year. But um, it's. I think it's in your future, isn't it? That's the thing. I think it's it's going to be one of those uh, inevitable uh, events that happens at some point. You'll probably feel ready to do it. Yeah, yeah. It it it's just taking. The leap, isn't it? I feel like I've leveled up this year and I feel like I can now seriously consider other ultras. I I personally felt CCC was harder than the ARC. I ran them in the same calendar year and I thought CCC was much harder than the ARC. So given really? that you've done OCC, yeah, I thought it was harder. That surprises me. I mean, you, you DNF twice times. on the ARC. So it took you three times to get around that course and you did CCC first time. Mm. yeah but as it, it with all the stuff that i built in those two failures taught me so much mm. each failure gave me masses of knowledge going back to the drawing board starting again not winging it having to understand more so those two failures yeah. were part of that third success or that success at the arc and then that success at the arc took me on to ccc but ccc was way harder than the arc uh, it, like you say, it's the climbs. The climbs go on for hours and hours, and and the descents go on for hours sometimes. 
and, and it's the, the elevation as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that altitude. And I'd, and I'd gained experience of that doing um, UTMB Oman and Transvolcania in 2016. So I, I knew how altitude affected me. And I knew that I had to run harder at the lower levels and, and suck it up at the, or not as the case may be, uh, as you get higher. But um, so that all built into that. And, and with all that knowledge on board, I felt that CCC was doable but or achievable on a good day. But it definitely, it was all part of the journey. But yeah, it definitely felt harder. So, so okay, then in that case, what? how do you think um, the Dragon's Back compares to CCC? And obviously it's, you're not necessarily comparing to similar races ccc is not multi-day but you know given that you didn't get around all of that in the in, as, as the full course mm. you got around it as hatchling obviously do you think that's harder than ccc or easier i think if you took so the first day of uh, dragon's back is thirteen thousand feet in uh 32 miles or 31 miles if you transpose that elevation onto the first 31 miles, so almost half of um, CCC, you, you've got more than half. CCC is 20,000 feet in total. But um, I, I would say Dragon's Back just statistically is, is harder in terms of elevation change. Um, a different beast in terms of aid stations, and that definitely played a huge part in the difficulty of Dragon's Back. Um, intentionally, you know, the race is very, very different to the other races on purpose. It's designed that way. So I think with the parameters slightly differing, I would say Dragon's Back would be harder. Than See, this is interesting because <clears throat> I I would say Dragon's Back is overall harder, but it for me, it only really got hard after about the third day. And that was largely down to sleep deprivation and obvious tiredness. But if you're going to compare, if you ask, if, if you said to me, right, you can do the first two days of Dragon's Back back to back or Arc of Attrition, which would be more elevation for, for Dragon's Back, uh, less distance, I'd say mm, there's probably not a lot in it in terms of hardness because the Arc of Attrition is on the coast path and it's overnight and it's dark and it's usually raining and windy. Um, of course, you know they, you could get the same same uh, circumstances on Dragon's Back, and, and that would change that a little bit. But I, I wouldn't. I'd, I'd struggle to say which one's harder and which one's easier. But for you, there's obviously a clear ranking, and if anything, it's probably in the opposite direction to me. I haven't done CCC, of course, but uh, I, I, mm. you, you're saying you're saying Dragon's Back is, is it- harder than CC is is harder than Arc of Attrition, and I'm saying well, the Arc might be harder than Dragon's Back. <laughs> <laughs> oh we've lost you we've lost your audio victoria turned your mic off you could put it to a vote there we go <laughs> could put it to a vote. you're there good good yeah yeah, yeah. find people that have done both and well, stick it to I, a vote I, I think you would excel in the utmb events mate and i've said this for years now i think you i think you would be i think you i think the long they're long climbs they're less technical but they're going mm. for a long time and long descents, but less technical. And they're going for a long time. I think they're more runnable than you think. I think you yeah. would do very well. Um, what do you think, yeah. Victoria? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested what Tristan's going to do in December. 
<laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, changing the subject. Um, just to, sorry, just to, just to, just just to com- just to reply to your UTMB thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I hopefully I'll get there eventually. Um, I like the fact that it's runnable, even if it's big climbs, and I actually don't mind sort of long descents as long as it doesn't involve rolling an ankle part of the way down. Um, but um, yeah, December I'm doing the the new Centurion 200 miler, the Winter Downs 200. So that means I get to see a lot of the North Downs way and the South Downs way, albeit through uh, a headlamp probably because <laughs> uh, it's going to be dark. We'll be out cheering you. Are you going to be out? Are you going to be supporting? I just had a sneak. Yeah, we had a cheeky look at the starting list. Oh yeah. And and I saw your name. <laughs> yeah. Anyone good on it? Remember you you're um you compied this time. <laughs> you got yeah. one of your uh, fellow Centurion runners, I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be absolutely brutal. Um I've no I'm, I mean I'm interested I, I'm just interested to see what the distance feels like. Um because I've I've sort of noted many times in this podcast and as you sort of touched upon earlier actually every single distance you do if you're really going for it it feels bloody hard for the last quarter or third you know whether it's a whether it's an 800 meter sprint around a track or a 10k 50 miles 100 miles everything starts to hurt in the in the second half and I'm just interested to see what it feels like at 100 miles Absolutely. in a 200 mile race, you know, when I, you're only halfway through and normally you'd be stopping um, since 100 miles is sort of the distance I tend like to do and you're only halfway. What does that feel like? Do you, do you, will, you, will I cross the halfway point of this race and be like, huh, there you go, that's 100 miles done. Don't feel too bad just yet. Feeling a bit fatigued. Let's continue. Yeah. And then obviously you get to spend you know, the final 60 miles in, you know, in quite a lot of pain and suffering and everything. But, um, I'm, I'm fascinated by that whole sort of mental game that your mind plays with you. It's as if your subconscious is better, more aware of what you're, what you've bitten off, um, than your conscious. And it's sort of moderating your effort level and, 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 um, perception of pain appropriately. Yeah. Any, any race I do, I look forward to that halfway point where I can count down mm, the distance yeah. and it count doesn't matter whether up. it's yeah. 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 And it's psychological. Mm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure you will get to that hundred mile mark and, and think, okay, that's a hundred done now to start on the second. Another hundred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So if you uh, if you had to give one just to close then Victoria if you had to give one piece of advice to somebody who wanted to take on uh, their next level of challenge what would that be to believe what, what, in yourself believe in yourself you, yep. you have to have that self belief good advice yeah it is good advice it's the best <laughs> advice I think for running ultras yeah uh, well, what what's next? What are you doing next? What are you up to next? I'm re- I'm resting. You're resting. Yes, just just, just letting my body fully recover, and then I will think of the next challenges. I have signed up for Brighton Marathon just as something to do next year, but mm. I, I just need to completely recover physically and mentally, and then think of the next challenge. 
Amazing, isn't it? I bet when you first saw Stephen do his first ultra, you never in a million years thought you'd have the race year that you've just done. Never. How fantastic. Um, but he's, hel- he's helped me to believe in myself. Mm. You don't have to say all these nice things, by the way. We know he pays you. He's sat, he's sat by the side of the screen waiting to, to jump in and, and moderate the conversation. <laughs> we, know, we know he controls you. <laughs> well, I think you raised you raise a, you raise a really um, good point there, yeah, what, Victoria, that, that I think it's a lot of the time <clears throat> these sort of boundaries and barriers, you have to be inspired uh, and aware that they can be broken. And oftentimes it's a person, you just, just so happens with you, you live with that person that can show you that. And I think probably most yeah, people who get into endurance sports will recognize it's having that growth mindset. Mm, yeah. It, it's having a growth mindset that I, I don't set barriers and, and specific targets. It's okay, that, that's a challenge. Let's see if I can do that challenge. And then it's then we move on to the next challenge to, to think of. Yeah. But well, I guess um, what I'm yeah. also getting at is oh, that cool. sometimes you've got, to be, you've got to be shown the way. And it's like... I mean, not like not like someone's taking your hand and showing you the way, but you know, you see sometimes world records get broken, and then all of a sudden it tumbles again two, three times in a row in in a short space of time, and it's often because someone has demonstrated that actually the limit is further away, faster, better than everyone else previously thought, and I think it's the same thing at, at any ability level. You see someone grow. And then you're like, well, if they can do it, then I can do it. And it sort of takes yeah, away absolutely. that, that it's barrier. Mental. Yeah. Well, look at the, um, we, we talked with, when we interviewed Paddy Mitten about the, the 14 peaks, the, the impossible thing, where Nims Purge climbed the 14 highest oh, peaks yeah. in, in, I think, seven months. The previous record was eight and a half years. And yeah. somebody's just done it in a few months. It, it's fallen again. And, and it was eight and a half years f- for decades. Yeah, so it's, yeah. It's, it shows what's possible, doesn't it? Yeah, the four-minute mile was mm. an, another example of this. Until Bannister did it, they didn't think it was possible. And as soon as he did it, I, I mean, I don't know, but there were there were like a dozen athletes did it in the space of ten years. You know, it just it was just became the new norm. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating stuff. Mm. And it highlights again how much about running is mental. Mm. Yeah. Yes, Literally. yeah, it's ninety percent mental, ten percent in your head. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank note. you so much for coming on. Yeah. <laughs> um, mate, uh, thank you so much for giving up an hour of your time there. Um, really, really enjoyed that. Um, I think people will find it amazingly interesting. Um, they can follow you on Strava. They can find you on Film My Run, often around the camera somewhere. And if, and if they're in Cornwall, they'll be able to bump into you on the Ark this year. We'll yeah, all be do out say about. hello. Yes. Um, and, and, yeah, what an amazing achievement. Well done. Yeah, well done. Thank you for having me on. It's nice chatting to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Trail and Error podcast. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to like, subscribe, and most important of all, share it with your friends and your family. Also, if you have any guest suggestions or suggestions for features that you would like to see on the Trail and Error podcast, please get in touch with us via our social media channels. 
at trail underscore and underscore error underscore UK. It makes more sense when it's written down, I promise you. Oh, and we're on Facebook too. See you next time. Thanks for listening.